Thank you, Paul. You always offer a very good background and context. I appreciate that. Because most of us know this prayer, don't we? The Lord's Prayer, you've heard it before? Yeah, probably. It's uh, probably the best known prayer in all of history, certainly in Western culture. And um, it's not surprising really because it's Jesus' disciples asking for help with prayer and this is what Jesus offers. So it's meant to be a model for us. It's meant to be something that we use in our prayer. So it's interesting to look at what are the areas that Jesus thought were most important for our prayer life because this prayer has, and particularly here in Luke's Gospel, an elegant simplicity It doesn't talk about very much. I don't know about you, when you go to prayer, is your mind full of many things? The 21st century life is full of many things, but this prayer has a very focused approach to it. It seeks first the kingdom. When Jesus begins this prayer, he focuses on the Father. The prayer starts acknowledging who God is. Hallowed be your name. And this is a sense that we've got to get our priorities right. Who are we coming before? Remember who it is that we are addressing. That helps us know what we should be saying. And so the next thing comes naturally, your kingdom come. When you come before God, it's foolish to ask that our kingdom might dominate, that our agenda might be the first thing that should be attended to. Because God is God and God is wiser than we are and we pray for God's kingdom to come, not ours, not our agenda. And this is trickier than you might first think. And you might already think it's tricky, but it's even trickier than you're thinking already. (laughs) The other night, uh, Joe and I were having one of our many conversations about parenting because um, we parent quite differently and I freely admit that I'm a reasonable parent but I'm not half so good a parent as Jo. And that's true. She's done lots of reading and reflection and inquiry and research and yada yada. It's quite intimidating really but she's a very good parent and uh, most of all because she fiercely loves our girls which is really the, the main ingredient there. As do I but she's just a bit better in... So sometimes when we have a conversation about parenting, I feel just a tad intimidated because I know I'm outgunned from the get-go. And it's natural for me, or it's a default thing for me, to kind of go on the defensive. If we were having a theological discussion, I'd have a bit of swagger. I know what I'm talking about. Give me a bit of philosophy, I'm there. Talk about parenting with my wife. Okay, what are you going to tell me? (laughs) We both know that I'm going to be shown up. And uh, so when these conversations begin, I adopt a fairly defensive posture. I don't do it on purpose. It's kind of a thing that happens inside of me. I choose my words really carefully, already being defensive. But I'm trying to choose my words carefully to not appear defensive. But I'm defensive. My main objective is to make the case that I am doing my best even though I may not be as good as you are and I haven't read all things that you have and you're incredibly patient and I don't know how on earth you do that, but I am doing my best. (laughs) And I should be honoured as such because that's as good as I can do. Now, when you pray thy kingdom come, 
something shifts in this. We're praying that we might relinquish our own agenda rather than simply defending myself, which is my agenda. When I pray, thy kingdom come, the kingdom imperative is for me to be the most equipped I can be to love my children. That's a kingdom imperative, I think. And so, rather than me defending myself, it's really good if I can get to the place where I get over myself and actually listen to some really good wisdom. Now, those of you who are partnered up will know how hard that is coming from your partner. (laughs) But when you pray, thy kingdom come, that's what you're asking. That you get the best wisdom. That you get the kingdom way forward. Not defend yourself, not appear to be looking as good as you possibly can be. That's your agenda, as good an agenda as it might be. When we pray thy kingdom come, things shift in a particular way. And I've got to tell you, it takes pretty much all my strength to resist the urge simply to defend myself and bat off whatever is coming next. Because it seems almost an overwhelming threat that I will be exposed as a sub optimal father and I don't like that feeling but if I get over that if I pray Lord your kingdom come then I can realise that actually there's an opportunity here for me to become a slightly better father that's what we're doing when we pray your kingdom come it's saying there's a prior choice I'm making the prior choice to do it the best way, God's way not just the way that suits me. It's a little bit like, as we were talking a couple of um, weeks ago, and I think uh, Paul referenced this, about marriage. When you make your marriage vows and you make these vows for richer, for poorer, for in better health, for better or worse, good health or bad, I can't remember what they are now. <laughs> but you make this prior promise, not knowing what those circumstances are going to be, but you've already decided how you're going to respond you're going to respond faithfully to your partner and really when we say your kingdom come, we're saying, okay, I don't even know what that means but I've made a prior decision, a prior promise as it were and the spirit is not focused on hiding truth and making us feel as good as we can feel. The spirit is focused on bringing out truth and helping us to be as good as we can be which is a different thing. The prayer moves down to daily necessities and um, it's entirely appropriate to cry out to God for what we need each day. This is a little bit distant from us because I don't think we really know what it is to cry out for our daily necessities. Most of us, maybe some here do, but most of us have a, a place to live in that offers us shelter. Most of us have clothes that keep us warm and dry and so forth, we usually have abundance of food, we don't really get close to understanding the nature of this cry. Whereas Jesus' first audience, this was a genuine cry because getting enough for the day was a life and death struggle. Not notional as it has become for many of us. Perhaps we're not very challenged about our daily bread, but we can hear it Uh, referring to our daily necessities, I suppose, and thinking about daily necessities 
is often a challenge for us because we're prone to make all sorts of things necessities, aren't we? I mean, I, I joke often about morning coffee. Like, <laughs> don't talk to me till I've had my coffee and that kind of thing. We, we foster a myth about things that we can't do without. And uh, it, might be, it might be that new device that's coming onto the market, I really need that, or the holiday to wherever it is, we're just busting for that, or you fill in the blank for you. But we're not dealing with life and death. In truth, we have enormous levels of freedom and power that we're uncomfortable to admit to ourselves and so we convert this into little necessities that we must have to keep our life going the way that we like it to be. Now God is watching over us for what we genuinely need but maybe not for all those other things. And that's why it's good to acknowledge our frailty and I love that this prayer doesn't hold anything back and it, in, right in the heart of it it wants to say lead us not into temptation. And why would that prayer, that line be in there except that we are always being led into temptation, not by God obviously, but circumstances. There's temptation around us all the time. This is a reality for us. No matter where you've come from or how long you've been a disciple of Jesus, you will still wrestle with temptation and evil. And it doesn't matter how long you remain a disciple of Jesus and how long your discipleship matures and how wonderfully wise and godly you become, you will always struggle with temptation and evil. We may become more equipped for the struggle, but we never graduate from it. The struggle simply becomes more nuanced and the stakes become greater. And we're never in a situation where we can neglect this part of the prayer because temptation is all around us and we need God's guidance not to stumble. Evil lurks in the absence of faithfulness. That's all it takes, the absence of faithfulness. And we need continually to be rescued from that mistake. So it's a very simple prayer, isn't it? Those three basically focus on God and God's kingdom, our daily necessities and the reality that we are quite frail and we need help to remain on the good path. But then Jesus goes into a nice little thing about perseverance and tells that story about a friend who's gone to bed but you've got a visitor who's come late and you need some food and we've talked about hospitality last week. You need to show hospitality to your guests so it's a really important thing. But the guy who's gone to bed says, my, my family is in bed and probably they live in a one bedroom dwelling and they're all in bed together and uh, it's not an easy thing to get out of bed and fuss around and get things it really would have been a, quite a nuisance but you keep banging on that door, he's going to get up <laughs> I think about some of the noise we get out here sometimes and you, you start off praying people will go away and then eventually you go and say, look, you know, we're trying to sleep here could you um, keep it down and move on and then eventually you go down and you yell expletives from the door. <laughs> if people keep annoying you, you will do things that you will not do at those nicer moments, as it were. None of us is always generous. We can imagine circumstances where we'd be inclined to just brush a person away and say, no, thank you very much. But even the least generous person will respond 
at the right kind of incentive. And Jesus points out that even when we're inclined to brush off a friend, they'll respond for the sake of peace, as it were. Now, children know this instinctively. Um, I'm always amazed how quickly they pick up these dynamics. We tightly regulate TV in our household and uh, the kids know that there's um, Friday night we watch a bit of Get Smart and then Saturday morning so we can sleep in, they can watch telly and there's sometimes a movie on Sunday afternoon. That's pretty much our television viewing pattern for the week and they get an hour or so of iPad on a Tuesday. But that doesn't stop them from going, oh, I'm tired, Dad, can, can we watch a bit of TV? No, what day is it? You know, we don't do that. Come back a few minutes later. Oh, can we please, can we please, please watch the TV? And when you're younger and not as experienced and you're exhausted and you kind of just want peace, it's very easy to go, yeah, watch the TV. And, you know, you get that peace. So we work it out pretty quickly, don't we? How instinctual it is. If you just keep begging for something, you're at least still in the game. You might get it. And our God is far more generous than most people. Our God is not self-centred or neglectful. Our God wants to bless us. So if we keep praying for something that is good, our God will bring that blessing to us if we persevere. We have every reason to expect God will respond. But there is a slight twist because as the last part of this little section tells us, God will give us only good gifts. And so we can pray with confidence. I often say to my girls, these, these, are they not the cutest two little girls you've ever seen? And I, <laughs> You have to say that. <laughs> I've often said to them, if there's anything good that I have that I can give you, I want to give it to you. And I'm just a, a poor human father Our God only wants to give us good gifts, just like any father would want to give good gifts, which is different from God giving us everything we might dare to ask for. We might be asking for something that we think is good, but God has a different horizon line and can see further and deeper and more completely and so won't necessarily grant us absolutely everything we ask for, But the encouragement here is don't be afraid. Go for it. Ask anyway. Just push through and see what happens because God refines our asking. And uh, this is Pay pushing through the the cat door at my sister's house. And um, I remember when um, another story, I'm telling you a few stories about your Pay. She turned 10 in the last week or so and had a party yesterday, so I'm allowed to tell stories about her. But uh, Pei's always been a terrific climber and she will always climb up to the highest part of any given structure when she was very, very little. You know how they have sunshades over the play equipment? She would climb up the poles of the sunshade <laughs> and touch the top kind of thing. I couldn't watch. She was fearless. But in a funny kind of way, her fearlessness was based on a lack of awareness of things like gravity and impact injuries. And so as she's learnt more, she's become more circumspect, more respectful of those things. She's still an excellent climber and she still climbs. 
our situation in relation to God is quite different. The more we learn, the more we realise the reality of the situation, the more fearless we can be because God really does only want to give us good gifts and we should be able to give ourselves to that prayer that asks for those good things. We do not need to fear because the Father has promised us only good. The more aware of this reality are, the less we will fear, the more we can go for it in life. And God's best gift, God has one really absolutely outstanding gift. It's not children. <laughs> I wonder what you think the best gift is. Is it, is it children? Or is it finding the ideal partner or getting the most wonderful home in the best suburb or a really nice car or a prestigious job or lots of money in the bank? Because all of those things could be good or not good, you know. The really best of all gift, Jesus tells us, is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you know why that is the best gift? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that enables us in any circumstance in our life to find the richest way of engaging and living. So whether you've got a partner or no partner or children or no children or a car or no car or a house that's lovely or a house that's really basic, whether you enjoy the most luxurious of lifestyles or the simplest of lifestyles, the Holy Spirit is the one that can show you how to enter into that life and know the fullness of life in the midst of the reality of your circumstances and to make wise choices about how to make life better and better, not just for you, but for the people around you, your family and your community and your whole society. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit. So as you recite this familiar prayer, and we're going to do it again in a moment in our preparation for the Lord's table, hear the elegant simplicity of its focus. Honouring the Father. Desiring the Kingdom. The confidence in receiving the things that we genuinely need and acknowledging our frailty to fall off the right path. If, we, if these themes are the content of our prayers, we can persevere with confidence. We can know that God will give us every good thing, the best of all being the Holy Spirit that makes everything life. Let us pray.